All right, my little miscreants. It is Valentine's Day. It's an only the lonely night here. Well, not exactly lonely. One lone paranormal news reporter has decided to join me to show the true tenacity and the professionalism of this career. That's right. Sweet Tea is here. We'll be hearing from her in a little bit. And we've opened up the mailbox of the macabre. And we have your emails. We have your questions. Tonight is a romanticized night of hearing from you, our lovely listeners. We want to share your stories, your questions, your thoughts, your concepts. And we're doing that all right here tonight on the very best in paranormal program. I am Dave Schrader. And this, well, this show right here is my Paranormal 60. Happy Valentine's Day night to all of you tuning in live and spending a little time here with us. For those of you listening in the future, tomorrow, well, I hope you had a good Valentine's Day and Valentine's Day night. We want to thank you for sharing the show and being a part of it and sending in your emails and your letters and all the coolness. I also want to just take a few seconds here at the beginning of the show to thank all of the amazing listeners around the world that have been helping me and support my new book, Theater of the Mind, Tales from the Darkness. It is out. It is available. And yes, you can find it on Amazon.com. So for those of you around the world, not in the United States, it's probably best for you to get it directly off of Amazon.com. It'll save you a lot in shipping. The shipping outside of our country is obscene. But if you'd like to get a signed or an unsigned copy directly from me, you can do that by going to paranormal60.com and you'll find the way to purchase the books right there on my site. Now, listen, like I said, you can go to amazon.com and I appreciate it when you do. However, I'm going to be open and upfront with you. When authors sell the book directly, we make more money. So if you buy it directly from me, I'm actually making money on the book as opposed to the the fragmented sum that will be given to me from Amazon. I'm still very pleased that they've got the book out there and they're helping me to promote and push the book. But if you are in the United States and wish to procure yourself a copy of the book signed by yours truly, or maybe unsigned by yours truly, if you go directly to my website and purchase it there, you'll get 15 tales of terror, strangeness, supernatural shenanigans, and more of the money from the sale of the book goes directly to me, your favorite Dave Schrader. All right, let's begin because it is Wednesday night. That could only mean one thing, Paranormal 60 News. And ladies and gentlemen, let me go to my right-hand man. He's not here. Ladies and gentlemen, the paranormal... No, he's not here either. Greatest American hero, the... No, the colonel colonel couldn't be here either. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Sweet Tea. Hey, Sweet Tea. Good to see you. Hi, Dave. Yeah, a lot of energy. You're really bringing the energy. Yeah, no, that was a great intro. Thank you for that. That was really heartwarming and nice and made me feel great. 
it's a pleasure to have you here uh, tonight, uh-huh. or I'd be alone. Yeah, I can and tell. you know how I feel uh-huh. about being alone. Don't like that one little bit. I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Rumor has it that you are part of an amazing new podcast heard on the Paranormal Sixty Podcast Network called, if I have this right in my notes, the um, Monsters Lounge, which can be heard on the Paranormal Sixty Network on Wednesdays. Is that correct? Yes, that's true, Dave. Yes. It also says here that your show is live on video uh-huh. Tuesday nights that's right. on the YouTubes uh-huh. and social media pages. That is also correct. Thank you. So, so along with your partner, Janay Minri. Hi, yes. Janay Minri. You two uh, take people into the world of uh, high strangeness in, uh, you know, monsters and aliens and strange beings and yes. uh, have some great guests and some open dialogues just between the two of you. So that show can be heard right here on the Paranormal 60 News Network. That's exciting. Isn't it? It's great. We have so much fun. I think so. Uh, I just want to make sure we remind people of that. Um, so thank you very much. Oh, one more thing uh, about my book, because I just can't get enough of talking about my book. Listen, whether you bought the book directly from me or you bought it off Amazon, you can still go to Amazon and rate and review the book. Please do that for me. The more ratings and more reviews we get, the more exposure the book gets on Amazon. That's just the way it works. So you really help me or any author out by just taking 30 seconds of your time. If you can only do 10 seconds and click the five stars, that's great. But if you have the wherewithal to click the five stars and just write a sentence like this is the greatest book ever written by a guy named Dave Schrader, who hosts the Paranormal 60 podcast, you're not lying. So just, you know, if you could do that, the more ratings and reviews, it helps out considerably. All right. No, they're not lying. Are there better books written by a guy named Dave Schrader? No, I can promise you that there are not at this Mm. point. But uh, I am working on uh, the audiobook version, hopefully releasing that in the next 45 days. We're working on the Kindle version, hoping to release that in the next 7 to 10 days. So that's the big breaking news. Come on, you guys. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Let's uh, let's get to it. We've got a lot of emails. A lot of people want to share their stories, and they want us to weigh in on those stories. I don't know that they're asking to be mocked. Oh, it might happen. I can't guarantee. I gotta, <laughs> can't guarantee go. it won't. But uh, they want us to weigh in on these stories. So I'm going to do that. Um, Winifred is watching in the background. And uh, like the great and powerful Oz, she'll be throwing your comments up on the page since Chachi's not here to do that while I'm reading tonight. Um, We wish Chachi, the Colonel, and the Paranormal Detective a lovely evening out with their loved ones. Uh, They all did something very special uh, for Valentine's Day. Uh, Unlike together, you and I, we just stayed at home and disappointed our loved ones. We're not children. We're, We're not children. No. All right. Hi, Dave S. and the Paranormal 60 News crew. Thank you for this opportunity. I want to share a true and unembellished experience with you. I have other stories, and I'm happy to share them in the future. And I welcome your questions as well, which is weird on an email because it's hard to ask an email a question and get an answer on the spot. But if you're listening, Appel, I hope I'm saying that right, A-P-P-E-L. Maybe it's a fancy way of saying Apple. I think it's Apple. 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 I don't. I always seek rational explanations to the letter begins and don't believe in things immediately. I, I left illustrations of the experiences for you in this email. 
but this particular experience is one of the strangest things that's ever happened to me. Here's my strange experience. Number one, a little backstory. I grew up in San Francisco and I moved to a small town three hours south of San Francisco after high school. The town had a population of 70,000 people, a significant change from my 14 years in the big city. When I moved, I approached my uncle and asked if I could live with him and auntie while attending community college. He agreed, and I expressed my gratitude, offering to help around the house. Upon moving in, I felt a vibe as if someone else were present. Despite it being just my uncle and me, it wasn't necessarily a bad feeling, just attention-grabbing. One day, as my uncle was doing beadwork, I told him about my initial feeling when I moved in. He shared that he, too, had experienced unexplainable occurrences in the house. A few months later, I had my own experience. I was alone in the house as my uncle and auntie were out. I was given my cousin Mary's room. One night, in the pitch-black hallway... I felt a dark presence pushing me out of the room. My left eye lost vision during this encounter, and the force felt non-human, with arms resembling animal paws. After being pushed, I found myself eight feet away from my original position in front of the bathroom door. This remains one of my strangest experiences. I speculated it could be an apparition or an alternative uh, or I'm sorry, an alternate dimensional being. Research on the house's history revealed little beyond an elderly woman living there previously. If you have any thoughts on what kind of being I encountered, I'd love to hear them. All the best, Apple. Well, let's break this down. Picking up Wait. that vibe. Hold on real quick. It, it said there were images attached to this email. Do we not get to see? No, that? it was just like sketches of how the house was set up. So okay. none of it would be relevant towards our discussion. That's why I didn't bother including them. Uh, she, I think, was just giving me an overview of how the house looked and where she got pushed around. Um, let's, let's start at the beginning. I, I think it's interesting. She felt the vibe when she moved in. Now, if your house was, if you believed to be, you believed it to be haunted. And somebody wanted to come live with you, sweet tea. Would you immediately feel the inclination to say, yes, Dave, welcome. Thank you uh, for coming to stay with us and, you, you know, make this house your own home. By the way, would you then go into the fact that, or would you just let me live an undeterred life in case I don't have any experiences? Case by case basis. If I think that they would believe me, uh, yes, I would tell them. If I thought that they would think I was crazy, no, I would not. Okay. All right. So when you have somebody move in and they start talking about having kind of a weird vibe in your house, would you feel then the point of saying, well, this is what I've experienced? Or would you just shut up a little bit longer and let them continue to have a few more experiences no. to garner more intel? No, once they say, so I don't feel this feels weird and gross. I don't like this. You're like, well, okay, so here's the deal. It's creepy here. Sorry. Mm. Mm. You don't just wait because you know, it's going to get worse. It might not. Some people just feel a weird vibe because they're in the presence of a spirit. It doesn't mean that it's a weird vibe as in creepy or unusual. It's just like that. I can sense I'm not alone. I can sense there's something here with me. Still, though, I mean, if someone is already open to the idea, why not just, like, spill it? 
Yeah. See, I'm kind of on the fence post about that. As a paranormal investigator, I don't know if you know that about me. I've been I on TV, uh, Golden Telly Award winning paranormal investigator on internationally uh, televised TV programs called The uh, Holzer Files and Ghost of Devil's Perch, uh, Curse uh, of Lizzie Borden, and Ghost Adventures, Paranormal me. State, Haunted Hospital. Anyway, I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, as a paranormal investigator, I have found that sometimes by just allowing people to talk, and share their experience without coloring it, without influencing it, or without giving them any idea of what my experience has also been, I find that it's more fascinating to me as it plays out because then I know I have not influenced their experience. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but not if they're living with you. But sweetie, I had that same thing happen, especially in the basement. See, then you begin front-loading. I would rather let you live with me for a month entrenched in this weird vibe house with paranormal activity all around you. And then after a month, if you start talking about it, then go, all right, let's sit down. What are your experiences? And then I would begin to grill you, maybe even swing over that lamp into your face like a third degree. And and just like, and where were you on November 22nd? What do you know about the grassy knoll, sweet well- tea? Why Those are you doing this to me? I don't know. Because understand. I want to know just how much you know. What do you think you saw? Because so, again, I feel like if I influence you and go, yeah, I keep mm-hmm. seeing a little girl. Do you see a little girl? What if I've just got really bad vision and you're seeing a little boy with like that, you know, <laughs> Buster Brown hairdo and you're like, dude, it's not a girl, it's a boy, which is right. really done do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's totally valid. Mm-hmm. However, uh, yeah. you basically are saying you're doing this all for your own entertainment. You have a house guest. Tell them what's happening. You know, I think until they come to me and say that they're frightened, I don't want to. You couldn't make me. <laughs> would not. So just bear that in mind. And Lisa Burgess, thank you uh, for the donations tonight. She was, I, I, Love uh, low-key how Sweet Tea can keep up with Dave and sass him. Yeah. I'm not loving it, but what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, Anyway, yeah, I wouldn't tell. I would love to just watch that unfold and see what happens. Everyone is there for your entertainment is what you're saying. Do you think, though, that in this day (laughs) and age, with as inexpensive as it is to have uh, home video cameras set up, Mm-hmm. Uh, security, I think, is the word I'm looking for. Video <laughs> sounds a lot more dodgy. But if you've got like those, you know, nanny cams and things around, why, if people are having so much experience in their house, are they not just running like indoor ring cameras to kind of keep an eye on things? And and I understand some of it's financial, but you can get them pretty cheap now. I don't. I don't have an answer for you. I don't know why hmm. people do what they do. Uh, I don't want cameras all over my home either. Like, I don't, that's weird. I do. Oh, if I yeah. could, I, I can't. I have Why? teenagers and I don't really want yeah, to see exactly. the gross things they do when I'm exactly. here. Yeah. If oh, Chig says, Chig says, my boyfriend didn't tell me anything about his house being active until I got so freaked out one night and decided to tell him. And he said, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's the way to live life. No, it's more that's how men. That what? It's a men thing. Men just want to see it all play out. And women are like, listen, honey, it's okay. I understand what you're going through. And men are like, this is going to be great. 
Blow Me in Chicago, a.k.a. Nancy. That's the name of the person below here. Oh. Blow Me in Chicago, a.k.a. Nancy. I don't think I would tell a house guest if my house was haunted. It would be more fun to find out. <laughs> I like, see, these are my people. They think like me. They've okay, shaved what? their heads like me. They've grown oh. gray goatees, ladies even. So, wow. yeah, That's... the new Branch Davidians have begun. Um, so we've kind of tackled that first one. Uh, Paranormal Pixie, Lara says, note to self, Dave thinks we're professional guinea pigs. Let's <laughs> just see how it plays out. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. LOL. Mm -hmm. I didn't say you're professional because there's no way I'm paying you, Pixie. No. Ah, <laughs> <You> <laughs> oh, Pixie. <laughs> no. Not a professional guinea pig. I think you are just a guinea pig straight up. And I want to see what happens. But I also want to know, because I feel like if I tell you, I'm validating something for myself that I want, I would rather have you have the experiences and then come back to me and tell me so that it validates it better for me. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Because I don't believe anything that I see myself until I hear someone else say it. So right. I get that. Oh, so see, then you and I would have a rough time because if like, uh -huh. uh, oh, yeah. cousin Sweet Tea's coming to live with me for a while while she goes to community college, um, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You came to live with me. You're kind of the kind that I'll just sit back and wait. And you're the kind that won't say anything for fear that I'll think you're a moron. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And then we'll never know. And then you'll nope. move out in 20 years from now at my funeral. Uh -huh. You'll be like, you know strange cousin Dave's house. I think it might've been haunted. And they're like, Oh, why didn't you tell him while he was alive? He loves this stuff. You yeah, he feeds off it. it. It's weird. Yeah. I didn't want to tell him. Yeah, that is weird. Mm -hmm. All right. So then she talks about the fact of having this experience in the dark hallway where she felt this beast like creature, like a paw pushing her out of the way and wants to know what our initial thoughts are on that. Now you're sensitive uh, maybe a little too sensitive, oh, but you are sensitive. Let me read this part again. And I want you to tap into that part of who you are, sweet tea. Mm. Put away Tressa. Put away. I want you to sink into the psychokineticness that is sweet tea. The story says one night in a pitch black hallway, I felt a dark presence pushing me out of the room. My left eye lost vision during this encounter. The force felt non-human with arms resembling animal paws. After being pushed, I found myself eight feet away from the original position in front of the bathroom door. So what do you pick up sensitively? Do you, do you pick up this was something dark and menacing or do you pick up some other element of this? I don't, that's a rough, I've never heard about animal paws. That's weird. Right. I haven't either. I mean, I've, I've heard about claws feeling that mm -hmm. claws have sunk into you. I haven't, you know, it seems like she's more intuitive. She's tuning in that she can feel it's, it's something non-human. Mm -hmm. Um, but if hear me out on this, mm, I'm listening. If it's an animal spirit, mm -hmm. maybe it's telling you stop farting in the mm. hall go to the bathroom if you're not feeling well that's why i pushed her in front of the bathroom oh i thought he pushed it farther from the bathroom no she said she ended up eight feet away from my original position in front of the bathroom door oh, so I, okay. maybe i'm misreading this uh maybe i'm misunderstanding it yeah we don't have a straight answer yeah, let you, me ask it. she said i could ask the email uh which one no, email didn't answer. Oh. Uh, so, Appel, we're going to need a little bit more insight and information on this. Anyway, that was probably in those photos of the layout. 
uh, would have been helpful yeah. to have that. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, that it might be animal. You know, if animal spirits are around us, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know, many believe that there are, is it guiding us somewhere? You know, I don't know. Maybe it was trying to direct us away from maybe that dark presence in the hallway was something separate from this being. Maybe this thing was trying to get you away from that dark being because I just don't think animal spirits, but again, I don't know what she's, you know, maybe it was a minotaur. I don't, that's wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Minotaurs. Do they have the human arms or are they like the The, giant puppy paws? uh, I don't remember the paws. I don't yeah, either. I don't either. I mean, That's a problem. I don't run into nearly enough minotaurs to remember these things. I feel oh, really? stupid even for asking. Yeah, you would think I would, but I don't. Uh, oh, I see something out of order here. This is going to confuse me. So let's just skip to the next story. Um, so that's kind of it. Uh, did you have any more uh, that you wanted to weigh in on, on that story? Specifically? No, I just think that whatever was pushing this person, mm-hmm. it seems like it was more guarding than anything. It doesn't seem like it was evil and and again it's what's perception of darkness like if you're feeling something push you your initial response might be oh something scary is happening when in fact it could just be somebody getting you out of the way Mm -hmm. right um and and it's unnerving when you feel you're being touched by an unseen force oh just touch i'm just wondering how do you that's why i said i think she's intuiting it more because how do you feel like if somebody just pushes their hand up against you Mm. How do you how do you get the, the no? It felt more like a paw than like a hand. I don't. Yeah. Did you feel the little paw pads on your back? Little... I didn't feel anything. I wasn't there. Oh, oh, I, oh, I no. This was really... somebody else. Yeah. Okay. You should pay attention. The story. Appel was the one telling it. I was just reading it. I I understand. I'm that good a uh, narrator. Yeah, I you kind really of feel like it's me in the middle of the story, but it wasn't. But... Uh, oh, sweet. Okay. It wasn't Thank me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's our next email. Good morning, Dave. Time travels crazy the way these letters come What in. an idiot. I've been following your podcast on black-eyed kids, and I finally decided to share my own story with you. But before diving in, let me lay the groundwork, since I've never quite figured out how these two kids managed to get into my home. It's a black-eyed kid story where they get in the house. Keep going! The phone call's coming from inside the house. All right. Firstly, I've had encounters with the paranormal since I was three. Asking my Jewish Orthodox mother about reincarnation, she accused me of hanging. I don't know why I find this so funny. She asked her Jewish Orthodox mother about reincarnation. The mother then accused me of hanging out with the nuns down the street. (laughs) Those nuns are always talking about reincarnation. You know those kooky nuns. They can't get enough of it. Yeah. They're all like, oh, yeah, let's... Oh, Sister Mary Catherine, have you heard about reincarnation? And then they talk about it. Yeah, a lot. The door to the supernatural truly swung open when, at the tender age of 13, I added the word tender Mm. in there, a Mm. friend received a Ouija board for her birthday. Mm -mm. Initially, our experiences were positive, but that changed. I began waking up with entities in my room, describing their past lives. Not the way I thought this twist was going to go. Oh, yeah. Fast forward to my 40s after an 18-year marriage with a house of my own, I delved into the study of Wicca, exploring both the light and dark aspects 
of goddesses. Unbeknownst to me, perhaps it was during this exploration that I invited two black-eyed kids into my life. The first encounter was while I was sleeping, of course, awakened by someone tugging on my covers. I found two kids who looked like twins with eyes resembling a Mako shark. The boy wore a Mark Twain character outfit, while the girl resembled Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Wait. Little known fact, black-eyed kids love musicals. Oh, and, that explains uh, a lot. Yeah, and Mark Twain. They're, they <laughs> can't get it. That's why their pupils are so big and dilated, because they're always reading in yeah. low-light settings. Yeah, what so, else are they going to do? Wait, right. I got a question. These little kids that are being seen, uh, mm-hmm. black-eyed kids, is, she, is this person talking about a dream or black-eyed kids? No, her? she said, I, let's get back to it and find okay. out. Okay, okay. Uh, but I, what she's doing here, she's trying to equate the, the look of them is very Mark Twain, which means kind of like that turn of the century kid outfit kind of, you know, okay. not, you don't have like the Nike swoosh. <laughs> you don't have the Adidas. Uh, okay. I thought they had little Mark Twain and Dorothy costumes on, but okay, go ahead. No, well, I think she's getting it. That it's that kind of gingham yeah, dress. I get that it. Kind I get of, it. Yeah. Get it. Tom Sawyer-y look. Um, all right. Unless maybe they were dressed up. What if, what if they were two kids out trick or treating? Oh my God. Just give them candy. No, but I'm saying that we're like, you know, something horrible happened and now their ghosts are trapped in those costumes for eternity. Is that what black eyed kids are? Despite their strange appearance, they just stared at me with the oddest expressions wanting to get into my bed. After a surreal moment, they ran out of the room and I never saw them again. (laughs) I'm sorry. Alita, I know you're being serious, and we're having a little fun tonight on this, but maybe think about the way you write it. Because <laughs> they're like, hey, we'd like to get in your bed. And after a good long look, they're like, mm, we should get out of here. We should just skedaddle. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, she never saw him again. This encounter didn't deter me from my studies in Wicca and magic. I focused on Morgan Le Fay as my guide in my magical pursuits and meditations. Years later, with a new home and partner, I had a second encounter. This time, I was not alone, and the black-eyed kids reappeared, attempting to climb into my bed. I woke my partner in a panic, and as he sprang into action, they vanished. Apparently, these kids do not like aggressiveness. Waking up is aggressive? No. He sprung into action. Do you not pay attention? (laughs) Rarely. I can tell. Uh, Yeah, they vanished. Now, at the tender age of 70, I no longer care if anyone believes me. I know what I saw. This is just a snippet of my experiences from age three to now. I'm a paranormal investigator, and my para-partner met you years ago at Joliet Paracon. Although I still meditate, I've moved away from studying Wicca. I've woken up to a woman in a taffeta dress with a Gibson girl hairdo and the sound of her taffeta rustling next to my bed. I believe she was one of the spirits from the Ouija board. I'm considering writing a book on the things I've seen and experienced. I'll conclude here. Thank you for listening. Alita Hirsch. Alita, cool, weird stories. So many questions. Yes. Man. Um, yeah. Let's, we, we need to have you on one night and just kind of dig deep into your weird experiences. None of this is meant to sound derogatory towards any of your experiences. Just having a little fun with the stories, but very weird. And why are they attracted to, it's almost I think you're, you've developed a matronly sense about you that the spirits want to come to you, maybe to get in bed. I wouldn't take that as a terrifying encounter. 
And if we are to believe that maybe black-eyed kids are simply soulless beings, maybe they're lost, right? We've never taken into account what the black-eyed kid feels. Imagine not feeling, this isn't hard for me, I was uh, bullied as a kid, uh, not feeling like you're part of something and you're alienated and pushed away and everybody's afraid of you, right? Uh, you allegedly push one kid off of the top of the slide and, oh, you're the bad kid growing up, allegedly. Seriously. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe it's just that, you know, if they keep popping up next to you in your bed and they're, they're wanting to, maybe they're looking for a sense of comfort. Maybe you're like a motherly they don't sound at all like black eyed kids. They sound like little kid ghosts. Right. They just have black eyes. But do they? Did we, I, well, uh, who's said. to say? Uh, uh, the and the black eyed kids eyes. reappeared. Right. But who's to say ghosts don't have black eyes sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's uh, It's interesting. Alita, thank you for sharing your story. Um, I like to go from time to time to experts in the field to discuss concepts like this, to share insights and questions from our listeners. And, you know, I, I reach out and I'm like, hey, what expert do I know that could weigh in on some of this paranormal hijinks? And uh, the list is extensive now. I have so many great friends in the paranormal field. Uh, Your mic sounds I'll weird. introduce you to them, sweet tea, then you'll get to know some of them. But uh, I, I like to bring them in. And because tonight is a special night, because tonight is all about love, and there's only one guy I know in the paranormal that's all about love. I knew that he was the right mix for tonight's program. So I invited him to join us for a little bit to share some of the questions that we have from listeners and get him to weigh in on it from his level of expertise. He has been actively on paranormal TV now for, I think, 83 years. Wow. Um, beginning on the ghost hunters tv show and continuing on through every iteration he's here with us tonight ladies and gentlemen dustin perry hey dustin oh, good evening how are you guys doing happy valentine's day everybody happy valentine's day. Yeah. yeah um so i appreciate you joining us dustin before we get into this i i'm very excited because you have something exciting coming up uh, ghosts, do you believe? Which is hosted by Ghost Hunters Dustin Perry. Experience the unseen live. People are going to get a chance to see you around the United States and Canada, uh, where you're going to be doing a live presentation about ghosts and weighing in on the paranormal. Is that right? Yeah, it's going to be really fantastic. I'm very thankful for this opportunity. We're doing like 35 lectures in six weeks. Uh, wow. We kick it off in Fargo. Uh, right after Easter, and then yeah, we're go go go, man! And uh, a couple of dates up in uh, in Ontario. I'm really excited working with uh, Right Angle Productions, and it's going to be about a two hour show. Uh, there'll be a, there'll be a VIP time. There'll be a Q and A session, and I put together a new lecture. It's uh, it's really um, I, I want to. I feel like the buzzword immersive is used too much, but I really want it to be more than just my regular lectures I do at paranormal conferences and and, and mm -hmm. libraries and those things. So this has a lot of uh, a lot to talk about, and I'm so excited to be going back on the road and to doing something different for me. You know, just theater after theater, night after night. This is uh, this is going to be really cool, man. And we do have a link for Dustin and these theater tours on today's program guide. So please go check it out. Familiarize yourself with it. Can you, I know you're going to be in Minnesota and you're going to be here, what, April 3rd. So yeah. I'll be there at your show. Uh, looking forward to seeing you there. Um, Don't heckle me too much. Just enough. No, I would never heckle you. I've, I, you're one of the few guys in the field I really look up to. 
Thank you, sir. Just because you're taller than me, mostly. But I, I do look up to you. Um, so, Ghosts, do you believe the live stage show is going to be touring around the United States and parts of Canada? Uh, and you, I, I love the fact that you kind of bring a different perspective to the paranormal in a lot of ways. You're you're also, in, in the sense, kind of like me, where we can look at what seems to be scary to others and maybe try to almost empathize with the spirits. Right. So in my last email uh, that Alita had sent to us, she was talking about experiences with these children's spirits who, uh, you know, appeared to her. Then they kind of wanted to climb into bed with her. Then they, it's like they got nervous and they vanished later on. They reappeared to her when she kind of freaked out and the boyfriend jumped up, they vanished again. Uh, this other spirit, this uh, young girl showed up in a taffeta dress you know, trying to get into bed. I don't, I don't feel hypersexualized about what I just read at all, but it right. did feel like maybe there's some kind of matronly uh, vibe to Alita that, that calls out. What do you think of that? I mean, do you believe that spirits will try to find comfort from us, the and living you know, from time to time? I really feel like a lot of, you know, when we're talking intelligent spirits, right? We're not just talking residual energy, that kind of thing, but we're talking a, a spirit that has intelligence and is a, a, able to communicate or interact with people. I really feel like it's just like in this life, our energy patterns resonate with certain people, right? There's certain people that we get along with that, that our, our clan, our fold, they're like, these are my people. And I kind of feel like it's like that with those that even though we can't see them, they pick up maybe even more so on our, our energy signature. And for me, I mean, it's, uh, my God, it's 30 years of investigating. And nine times out of 10, if a spirit interacts with me, it's usually of a woman or of a child. Those are the ones that usually chat with me the most. Um, and, you know, and investigations, I'm always very respectful. I'm very polite. I'm quiet. I'm usually sitting around eating candy. I tell stupid jokes. I play a lot of music, like to try to lighten the atmosphere. Um, you send me into, you know, I go to Alcatraz or, or some of the big uh, Missouri uh, state pen. The, the, the big, tough, badass, you know, alpha types, they don't really care to talk to me. I don't have much to talk to them about. Um, so I really kind of feel like, yeah, maybe it makes sense that, you know, um, someone with, with that motherly energy, that matronly energy, maybe attracts a child to, to want them to, to kind of come forward and maybe be comforted. You know, it's interesting. I did Hillview Manor, and I'm going back there this year. Mm. Um, information's up at darknessevents.com if you want to join me. Uh, and I don't mean that to sound like a plug, but it was such an extraordinary experience to be there. And at one point, I was, as we were on our way to the area we were supposed to investigate, I stopped and looked down this hallway, and I told my host, I said, I have to go down this hallway. And I went down, and I started talking low. And I actually was getting amazing EVP um, from a woman. And I got, I kind of got down in a crouched position to talk to her and was just, I mean, the EVP was really remarkable. And the guide with me was very surprised. And after we left that area, I said, wow, that was intense. And he goes, yeah, it was. He goes, I can't wait to tell the owner and some of the other uh, leaders here. And we went around the corner and there's some of them there. And he, he started to explain. And in this area, uh, a woman had uh, lost her life after being brutalized by uh, a male. I think they think it was one of the employees uh, that had done the violence, but it was so strange to feel pulled there so much. And I found when I'm dealing with what I believe to be uh, a female or child entity that might be hurt. I usually try to lower my stature as much as I can to feel less intimidating or frightening to 
the spirit realm. And, you know, I've had people go, Dave, you're human. Why would they be afraid of you? And I'm like, but if this woman was beaten and killed by a man, I want her to see that I, I mean, no harm and I'm, I'm not coming in in that position. Do you try to take that stance as well, where you make yourself more uh, or less uh, uh, um, intimidating to the situation or the spirits you think you're communicating with? Yeah. Nine times out of 10, you'll see me sitting on the floor. Like that's just kind of the, the natural instinct for me. Anytime I'm talking with who they believe to be a, a woman or a child, I usually sit on the floor. I sit in a chair. Um, I just try to create a welcoming environment. That's why, I mean, they don't show it on the show a lot because of copyright, but I'll quite often play music from that time period, something that would be familiar to them that would make them want to come forward. You know, I, I really, I just, Dane, and listen, there's, there's, you know, different approaches for everybody and for different occasions, but I don't like the interrogation tactic of, of EVP work. And I think a lot of times people don't even mean it that way, but we just become kind of, um, you know, we, we model after what we see and we see that a lot. I try to be conversational. I sit down, try to create an environment where a spirit would want to communicate with me and talk with me. So a lot of times I feel like by bridging that gap, like, like you play me a song from, you know, different parts of my life. I know exactly where I was the first time I heard it or what was going on in my life. So I like to sit down on the ground, play music from those time periods where these people were supposedly alive and see if that makes them want to be a part of it, you know, and just, I just chat with them, you know, and just just throw it out there. I talk a little bit about myself. When I do EVP work at my, um, I had this new uh, investigation event I call Spirit Quest. They're all limited to 15 people, and uh, we do different things. Everyone's different. Uh, we do scrying. We do seance. We do Ouija, like whatever it might be. Um, everyone has to be different. And one of the things I do is try to get people to realize that when we do EVP work, don't make it so one-sided, you know? So if it, I always say you give of yourself. So when we go around the room to do questions, I'll say, my name's Dustin. I really like to drink rum. What was your favorite thing to drink? So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm teeing it up. I'm telling you what I'm going to ask you. I'm telling you my answer to it. And then, you know, do you want to tell me something about it yourself? And uh, I find nine times out of 10, which I seem to use that analogy nine times out of 10, um, <laughs> it seems that that will get me a, the best response rate. So that's what I try to do all the time. That's Very nice. Cool. Don't turn it into a job interview. A little give right. and take. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to work them over under the lights. Right. We don't need to do like good cop, bad cop. Like, no. Just chat with them, you know. We've actually. Hillview. I've never been to Hillview, so I'm going there this year too. Oh, great place. I cannot recommend it enough. And uh, again, I would love for people to come on out and join me. Hillview Manor, May 11th. Uh, you can find tickets and information. And I guarantee you, folks, if you have yet to go out and investigate, this place will blow you away. There was so much activity, like stupid amounts of activity. It was Heather Taddy and I that were there just oh, having no. every area we were at was, was about amazing. That. Yeah. Yeah. She said that was amazing. That's that's where I first like got clued in about how good Hillview was, was in a conversation with Taddy. So I'm really looking forward to checking that place out. Chatty Taddy. All right. We need to take just a quick break. We'll come back. We've got more to discuss. We've got a letter from Jeff, an email, uh, not Jeff Belanger. I know that immediately Dustin's like, oh, no, this is a setup. We have a, an email from Jeff. He has some unusual questions that he would like us to ponder. So we will cover those when we return. You're listening to the very best in paranormal programming. Why? Because I said so. And have I lied to you yet? I don't think so. This is the Paranormal 60 News. Today's episode is brought to you by better help. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? 
A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash p60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash p60 it's time to take control of your life dave's here rooting you on and if i can do this you can do this let's do this together betterhelp.com slash p60 there's a link for it on today's program guide in winter's grasp a chilling tale unfolds wanted magazines issue 40 secrets to be told Al Capone's ghost, in shadows it creeps. A spectral mobster, where darkness seeps. Fourteen signs of a poltergeist's might, haunting whispers in the silent night. Pascagoula UFO, fifty years gone by. A cosmic encounter, reaching the sky. A ghost train of Tate Bridge. Echoes in the mist. A phantom journey where souls exist. Wanted Magazine issue 40 is out now. Available from selected outlets and bit.ly forward slash haunted magazine. Don't be normal, be paranormal. Oh, oh Dave, is that oh. that theater of the mind book you wrote? Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you guys, we, we came back so early from that. I was just enjoying. One of the creepy stories from Theater of the Mind, Tales from the Darkness, that I wrote and is available now on my website at paranormal60.com. Do you have a favorite story? I do. All of them. Read it. Oh. I've included one of my own personal encounters that has been featured on TV and poorly done there, but you get a chance to read the real story behind the story. Anyway, let's get back to this. Dustin Perry, our special guest tonight here on the Paranormal 60 News, Sweet Tea and I are your hosts into the strange and obscure. And we have an email here. Hey, Dave and team, here are a few unusual questions to make you ponder. If the aliens know about the Fae, do you suppose they're abducting and probing them like they do humans? Or are the Fae capturing and probing the aliens? Hmm. Hmm. Do you think think that that the Fae and the aliens could be one and the same thing, Dustin? Oh, yeah. I, wow. I, I, I didn't even see your lips move, Dustin. And she spoke. I was, yeah. I was, yeah. I was to be fair, my... I answered before you said his name. So, shush. I, I was okay. getting in touch with my feminine side. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I really, I think a lot of this stuff is, is kind of one and the same. 
I think a lot of times we're uh, what's the analogy? Um, we're, we're like uh, like blind men on different ends of an elephant, trying to describe what it is that we're feeling. You know, and, elephant and parts, obviously yeah. very very different. Um, but I mean, I'm an ancient alien guy too. You know, so I get into all this kind of tin hat, uh, tinfoil hat stuff. But um, I mean, probing a fey, you know, they're usually very small, so you'd have to have tiny probes, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> as long as there's a safe word involved, then I guess it's all right. Um, Don't all let it be ball. butternut squash, because with the ball gag in, it sounds like better not stop, and that oh. does not work well at all as a safety Thank word. Huh. If the fey hate us to build in their areas or tear down their trees, why don't they just show themselves to say, hey, go away? We can't easily avoid what we can't detect. It's their own fault, right? Oh, he's I did, asking for it. I did a case uh the Lachine ruins when I was in Ireland one time. Bless you. And uh, that was <laughs> <laughs> that was a place where it was it was a classic story of of fey lines being interrupted. And so now, you know, the the idea if you're going to be building or, or restructuring things in Ireland is you contact someone who who knows where these fey lines are, where the fairy folk travel, and you're not supposed to intersect them. You're not supposed you're not supposed to uh, build where they intersect. You're not supposed to interrupt them. You're supposed to make offerings and these kind of things. And the guy who built this house had uh, he had a ton of money. He was like a very successful business guy. He even had a, I believe he had a uh, sarcophagus or some some type of thing there from from Egypt, like all kinds of high, high level uh, items. And he lost his business, everything went to ruin and everyone gets sick. And the idea was because he refused to care about the Fae and he built his house where these lines intersected. Um, so they say the Fae will give you signs like when they're upset about what you're doing, but you know, he just continued on, which is apparently uh, not what you're supposed to do. I mean, I've, I've been on cases out there with Barry Fitzgerald where he was taking little saucers of cream of like milk and putting it under the bed at night. I'm like, what kind of kinky stuff are you into, Barry? What's going on in there? He's like, ah, oh, it's for the Fae. It's an offering, this and that. I'm like, oh, okay. Man. Like, But I learned, I really like my time on the international show. I really learned a lot about, I mean, you really submerge yourself in these cultures for two weeks at a time and to learn the different approaches and the understandings. But then, yeah, we start to see some similarities in in what one culture thinks is one thing and what culture thinks is another. We both have respect for these these entities, these beings, and we'd have different types of offerings or different types of interactions. Um, but yeah, I mean, could it be related? Could it be same energy? I mean, I'm going to the Hinsdale house next week. I'm the 24th. I'm doing a spirit quest thing there. Last time I was at the Hinsdale house, I'm doing a, a box communication session, and we keep getting spirit that is referring to itself as alien as watching us from above kept calling us earthies and then if you go back i mean uh, there was a documentary um, <laughs> i said he's so racist that no, alien ghost there was <laughs> earthies there was, i can um, say that you can't yeah, say they, that i'm there from was earth a, there was a documentary about the um the geological uh, makeup of, of the ground beneath the Stanley Hotel. And as a bonus at the end of it, they had an interview um, with Frank and he's talking about you know creating the box and his communication with what he believed to be aliens and how he was called the Purple Princess and all this. And now you, know, you guys know we take the box and now we talk to ghosts all the time or we think so. So yeah, a lot of this stuff could be a lot uh, closer linked or the same thing. Um, but it's uh, what I love about it is it's magic. No matter what it is, it's it's better than the nine to five. It's better than sitting in traffic. Yes, it's better than science telling you that they know everything about everything. Like, look, it's Valentine's Day. They can tell us 
the chemicals that release when we feel love, but they can't tell us what love really is. So I love the fact that they can't explain aliens, although now we're finally saying, yeah, we know this or that, you know, does exist. And they can't explain spirit activity and things like the Fae are still out there. There's magic. And that's what we need to keep ourselves motivated to get through this life. Because if not, it gets kind of mundane. I will tell you, let me share a cool, quick story with you guys. A number of years ago, uh, Nick Roth was creating a production on a show and he was having me lead up the show. And he said, can you call in some of your friends that are paranormal inventors? So we had uh, Paul Bradford. We had Bill Chappell. We had Gary Galka. We had Frank Sumption. Uh, and Frank created the Frank's box, right? Now he didn't create the Frank's box. He literally found an old article in a popular mechanics magazine about this concept of a spirit box. So he began building them. And this was my first chance to really sit down with him. And, you know, we were doing all this filming and doing stuff. And then later that night we were at the, uh, hotel St. Nicholas in cripple Creek, Colorado. And I broke out my spirit box and Frank was very skeptical. He did not believe that we were talking to ghosts. He believed that it was aliens. Mm -hmm. And I had a real time conversation with something and Frank sat there, eyes, huge jaw slack. And he was just like, and he got done. He goes, Dave, I've been to a lot of these paranormal investigations. And I've thought this is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard in my life that it's ghosts. I can't explain what you just got. I don't talk to ghosts. I talk to aliens. Mm -hmm. And at first I'm like, yeah, you do. And we, we talked for a few minutes because it's weird, right? It's what's the intention you put into it. So right. he goes, can I use your box? And I'm like, yes. So he turned it on and he started fidgeting a little bit with the dial and then got it. So it was scrolling and he sat back. Neither one of us are touching it. And he said, um, this is, and he gave a name and he goes, I, I'd like to communicate with blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, this metallic-y sounding, like uh, 1950s voice, yeah. this like robotic, weird, metallic voice, harmonic voice started coming yeah. through. And he was talking to a flipping alien voice. Yeah. And it was unsettling. And it was like, as soon as he started asking, it went from being this ethereal, ghost-like voice that was responding to me right. to an otherworldly experience talking to Frank Sumption and we right. got done and literally he turned off the radio he goes, what do you think of that? And I just shook my head and we sat there in silence for about 15 minutes, <laughs> literally just kind of looking at each other and looking at the radio. It was, it, it's like finding out that the language you speak means something completely different mm -hmm. to the person sitting next to you. And right. it's, it was so unbelievably exciting to be a part of and watch that unfold. So I was, I was very blessed to have that moment. Awesome. Sadly, sadly, Frank passed a few years after that. Um, I never well, got to meet home. Frank. Um, yeah. I never get to meet Frank. And it's interesting because I never, um, I, I never get to have, you know, that type of conversation to, to hear the, the way you describe the alien voice, because I was actually uh, with Cody, my buddy, Cody uh, Desmian, we were, he was at the Hinsdale house with me at the time that we did it. And, and all of a sudden the voice, it did, it sounded more metallic. It sounded just like you said, like a 1950s alien, like TV show. Like that's what you would think it would sound like. And I wonder how much of it is really our intent and what we put out there. Um, but it's, it was so strange, like to be sitting there 
in the in the upstairs room of the Hinsdale house and hear this voice and say, Earthies, Earthies. And I'm like, what is going on right now? It's uh, it's really cool. But yeah, same device. You know, we use it one day to talk to spirits. Next day to talk to aliens. Like, like who knows? We got, uh, I used my spirit box once at the uh, Isetti Ranch out in Trout Lake, Washington, which was featured on the Paranormal State episode I was in called First Contact. And when I'd gone there, Prior to filming, I was there with my friend Susan Cummins, who I think you know, Dustin, mm-hmm. and our friend Kim, and we were sitting there trying to, you know, vibe in on the aliens. And I thought, let me try the, let me try the spirit box. Let me just see what it says. And it, uh, I, I was having trouble. I had this weird folding chair, this canvasy weird thing I'd bought, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to pop it up, and I've just got the radio going. And and as I'm popping it up and I finally I finally undo it and get it right, the radio goes, yay, he did it. And everybody just stopped and looked. And I'm like, well, that's weird timing. That's just synchronicity. Very strange. But it's a radio, so it's going to pick up strange things. And I sat down and we started having this conversation and I posited some question. And Susan and Kim go, that's really interesting. That uh, Boy, that is weird. And the spirit box goes, it makes you think, doesn't it? <laughs> and all of us just looked at each other and we're like, what is happening here? Because here we are in this nexus, this state where there's ghostly, cryptid, and alien interference taking place. And we were witnessing all kinds of bonkers activity there mm-hmm. all at once. That's so it's, awesome. I, I, I just love this stuff. Yeah. Um, let me go into this one. I want to get your guys' take on this. And Sweetie, I'll give you the first oh. chance at this vibrations is the next question if everything is vibrating at various frequencies can there not be something engineered to match these frequencies i mean radios tune into radio frequencies and sound can be made to match glass so that it shatters can something be made to match other frequencies such as solid objects to affect spirit vibrations would that feed the entities as described uh, without harming a person, or is the vibrating being misunderstood for something else, and no actual movement is involved? So, what do you? What do you, I mean, th- we all throw around that term of vibrational? We're in the right vibrational uh, mm. intersect or whatever. First of all, do you believe that there is true movement when we say that, or is it mindset? Is it just? Are we using the word vibration uh, to, you know, mm. be? Yeah. In, you know, to, to, I can't think of the word now, but to, to inject that instead of, um, you know, intent. Yeah, I think it's, I think that it gets interchanged. It's, it's more of intent and how you feel about a thing. It's not necessarily physical vibration. And maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe it is actually both. But I think it, it's more of a feeling than a physical phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Phenomena. What about you, Dustin? What do you think about the whole term of vibration? I love that frequencies? This, I love that this came up because um, I'm, I'm working on, as you guys know, I do like a lot of motivational work. So I'm working on a motivational book. And recently I've been really into, um, again, as part of Spirit Quest, one of the things we do sometimes is talk about vibration and sound. Like look back at some like early uh, biblical stories and they talk about, you know, um, the playing of the shofar and going around a building so many times making this sound and causing these things to happen. You look at, you talk about um, uh, the construction of the pyramids and they talk about, you know, these, these sounds being used to move these stones. And 
I was thinking like in terms of our daily lives, right? Like we go through life every day and we, we're just, we, I feel like we're almost kind of at a low vibration. Like we get kind of run down, you know, and I feel like we, we start to lose our focus. I feel like spiritually, we don't train ourselves anymore. You know, I say spiritually, I don't mean you need to be in a mosque or a synagogue or a church or, or out in the woods, whatever works for you. If, and if it works for you, do it like absolutely. But I mean, spirit, I, we're spiritual creatures in a human experience. We're not from here. We don't stay here. That's in every lecture I do, no matter what it is. I feel it's the truest thing there is. And I think that as we go through this life, we've kind of lost our spirituality. We, we don't do things anymore. I, I use this example a lot. I say, how many people, you know, have tried, you know, bending a spoon with your mind? A couple of people raise their hand up. And, okay, how many of you tried it more than once? And now there's a lot less people. Anybody try it every night for a week, for three months? No, nobody does it. But everyone thinks, like, if you want to be a violinist, you're going to have to practice. It's going to take time. But we don't try to use our minds, our energy, our spirit to try to manipulate our environment. You think about energy and, and matter, right? So, like, water, you can heat it up, you can make vapor. You can take vapor, you can, you can, you can make that into water. Water, you can freeze, and it becomes a solid object. In our lives, I feel like we need to change our vibrations just like that, just like matter, moving it from one state to another. And our emotions are the energy that makes that happen. There's an idea, it's a, um, I believe it was a German idea, about how, how thoughts have weight. And this is maybe why, if you're not into uh, gods or goddesses, the idea that um, thoughts and prayers work. If we all start thinking about the same thing and trying to push toward a certain direction, we can try to change our reality, try to change our world. And I feel like we don't use our mind for those things. We don't use our spirit for that thing because we're kept dumbed down. We're kept distracted. We're in debt. We're drugged up. We're drunk. We're just trying to get through life because who's got time for anything else? It's impossible just to live. Mozzarella sticks are like 15 bucks. I love mozzarella sticks. I'm going to work a lot to get them. It's ridiculous. So we don't have time to do those things to spiritually train ourselves to ascend to the, a higher level, to move that vibration differently. And I kind of feel like a stoic uh, way of going through this life, not letting certain things affect you, working on raising your vibration by listening to positive things, working in a positive way. I really believe we can get there. A lot of great comments from the listeners as well. Um, you know, you bring up the fact that moving uh, stone with sound and they've shown some really cool effect where they put sand on speakers and they'll play certain beats and the yeah. sand will create geometric mathematical yeah. patterns. Um, and I think music is one of the most amazing paranormal experiences we can have because there are a few key songs. Literally, every time I hear it, I'm in the backseat of the car making out with that first high school girlfriend, or I'm out on the, you know, uh, sitting too high up on the back of my buddy's convertible, feeling the wind blow through what I once had that was hair. Uh, you know, it's like there are certain elements of music and vibration that when you hear it can bring you to certain places. So why wouldn't vibration play an, an instrumental part? You play music at haunted locations. I've played music at Honda to try to get the interactivity of the spirits to give them something familiar to connect with. Right. So there is something really powerful when it comes to the concept of vibration, but it may not necessarily have something to do with the, like a, a tuning fork so much as it is with taking yourself out of a stasis of stagnancy mm -hmm. and going into motion. 
by by moving forward on something by pushing you create momentum which then allows other things like magnets to be drawn to you or repelled from you depending on the the ratio that they're at so I think by coming into some of these places and putting yourself into that vibrational tonality, that's why I, I always stress, and I know you do, knowing the history of the locations you're going, treating the spirits with respect and kindness, um, and understanding that by doing that, you're aligning yourself with the energetic imprint of that energy. And right. sometimes they have a hard time getting through, I think, because there's so much static from people that are in there. Jump through a fiery hoop, push me, scream yeah. at me. You know, can you fit in this keyhole? We're going to bubble all these demands right. that, that that's creating static and making connectivity with the other side so much harder than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just feel like if we can, if we can write, like we have to separate our mind from the way our world works and kind of rise above that, you know, the material yeah. world with all its plastic things and the nonsense really drums us right down and uh, i think that meditation i think is fantastic uh, again whatever works for you i spend a lot of time out in the woods or just walk in the cemetery i like to clean up stones and just kind of find my little zen like find that moment of peace that little pocket of peace each day and just build on that it takes time like you said you gotta get yourself uncomfortable people don't like to be uncomfortable we want to we want to binge watch netflix and we want it to automatically start the next episode because we don't even want to move for the stupid remote so yeah, we need allegedly, to you know, we need to stretch out a bit. Well, and Jeff, to let you know, there has been work done on that. Bill Chapel has worked in the EM field by um, creating EM pumps. So as Gary Galka and some of the others, where they're trying to feed the environment in the vibrational place that they think the spirit realm is coming from, or trying to communicate with us. There's also ways to record in those same places. Uh, Bill Chapel had created EM speakers. So you could legitimately plug the speaker into the little jack on your phone, play music that we could not hear. Mm -hmm. But if you took uh, one of those old suction cup microphones, and I can't remember what they're called right now, the, the type, uh, not parabolic, but a, it's it's a specialized microphone. You used to be able to put them on the back of your phone and you, re you could record the phone conversations. But... Um, that picks up the magnetic resonance. You could put it down near that speaker and it would record the music that was being broadcast into that into the EM EM yeah. field. And what's interesting, Bill Chapel showed me one day, he goes, I have some really interesting experiences with this. And we were in an old speakeasy and he starts playing 1920s music. And literally you could feel kind of a peace in the bar when he did that. And then he goes, watch this. And he switched it and it's dead silent and he's running a recorder and he's playing something I can't hear. And then he gets done and we wait for the recorder and then he picks it up, rewinds it, plays it back and it's disturbed. Right. <laughs> and it's some loud ass thrashing song. And when it gets done, you hear these all, you hear these voices saying, what was that? What on God's green earth was that? And it, it was like, they were a, a, an affront to them to hear that music. And it was like, we are broadcasting into that, that realm. So that work is being done. Yeah. Uh, finally, for now, why haven't any investigative groups invested in 180-degree 3D video cameras yet? Um, broadcast on, on YouTube VR, and it could allow the audience to virtually be there, see depth of shadow people and where they are in relation to other objects. I think mainly it's not for lack of trying. Many of us have used many different cameras. 
It's that most of these places have no internet connectivity. So you can't just live stream. And, and a lot of them, they're old brick, thick concrete buildings. That while you're in the middle, you can't even get a regular phone signal. So the footage may exist, but there's no way to broadcast that until afterwards. And then it wouldn't give people the same freedom to walk around and feel like they're there. Uh, that Remember the 360-degree video cameras? I often wondered why paranormal teams weren't using those on TV shows. Because to me, that felt like it always happens behind us mm -hmm. or in a direction we're not watching. But if we have a 360-degree camera that can videotape the entire room, why aren't we utilizing those? Aren't there a lot of artifacts with those where it's just filling in spaces it can't see anyway? Uh, yes, there are some hinge points. But that also leaves big gaps where they can film, they can see. So yeah. it is interesting. Why aren't we utilizing that? And I think because a lot of that technology is way out of price when it first came out. And I think a lot of people just forgot that it existed. Right. Yeah. I know there is, a, there is an issue where the images get stitched together. There was a lie. I want to say it was one of the live shows that we were going to experiment with doing that on GH, but I think it was a signal problem for us. We didn't ever use it. Um, I just want to mention real quick, Dave, because what you were just saying about Bill Chappell with the uh, with the EM, um, Cody and I, he has, he has a device that we call the Gremlin, and it's a, uh, a guitar amp, and we have coils on top of it, and we did the same thing, kind of reversed it all out, and we pump it out, the music, into EM and record, and we were doing just a home case uh, in nearby Massachusetts, and we were experimenting with it because we hadn't taken it out to a location yet. And as we were doing, of course, we're both Elvis fans, so we're playing Elvis music. And then we're asking the spirit, can you tell us, you know, if you can hear the music, can you tell us who it is? And they were able to identify it. And we were just blown away. Like, you all of a sudden, like, neither of us are hearing anything sitting there in the room, and we know Elvis is playing. And then when we hit the recorder, like, there's Elvis. And then you hear the, the voice say Elvis. I'm like, it was amazing you know it's so cool to think that there is something that's always around us and there's ways for us to tap into it um and I, I believe there's ways for us to still tap into it without the technology too but again we've kind of we've kind of dulled our senses you know i love when people are like i'm an empath i'm like good we're all freaking empaths just most of us don't do it anymore you know but yeah absolutely like charge it up let's do it all right let me one more quick email and i'll have you weigh on it because it kind of plays off of what we've been discussing here and i'll let you go i know it's late for you dustin uh, i want to remind people that you are out you're going to be doing a tour here that launches very soon and people can go out and see you it is ghosts do you believe hosted by ghost hunters dustin perry experience the unseen live what can people experience for that two hours what can they expect when they come on out to see you dustin well the first hour is going to be a presentation we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the paranormal research that we do um, i really want to bring people the, into the understanding of our spiritual connection and that yeah like we kind of alluded to like the magic of what's still out there and uh, yeah we get some cool photos from cases that i've done and everything I have a little q a session and stuff at the end of it all but it's going to be amazing really looking forward to it it's uh, ghostdoyoubelieve.com is the website for that and then since you know i like cheap plugs too there are like two or three tickets left for spirit quest at the hinsdale house uh february 24th if you want to meet me there and that's just at dustinperry.com perfect all right our next email Hi, Dave and team. I hope this message finds you well. Earlier this week, I reached out to you regarding an unexplained incident from my childhood. Uh, I'll provide more details on the peculiar LI sound experience I had at the age of 11 to 12. 
Back in my younger years, my brothers and I, along with some neighbors, frequently gathered on the north shore of Long Island, particularly in Oyster Bay. The Theodore Roosevelt Marina became a familiar playground for our adventures around the Long Island Sound. On this particular day, my older brother and two neighbors, each a year younger than me, were engaged in our usual aquatic play. We took turns playfully pushing each other underwater by the shoulders, laughing and enjoying the summer day. I strategically went under the water to avoid getting pushed and would surface, playfully jumping on someone before going back under. During one descent, with my body facing my brother and friends and the Long Island sound at my back, something inexplicable occurred. I felt a firm, non-aggressive grip on my left calf, akin to being grabbed by a large, toothless fish or a hand in a leather glove. Hmm. Those are two very specific details. <laughs> very specific. Yeah. Instantly, I turned around to see what had... So sorry. <laughs> just like, how does he... Has he ever, like, just taken a toothless fish and jammed it against his calf to get that... That is... That's very close to I what I... I all guys did that. No. Uh, not <laughs> Yeah. Uh, instantly, I turned over to see what had my leg, but there was nothing to be seen or heard. Suddenly, I popped out of the water, facing the opposite direction, with my brother and friends about 20 yards to my right, seemingly unaffected by any interruption. Unfazed but confused, I questioned how they moved so quickly. My bewilderment, they insisted I had been under for over a minute. This revelation was shocking, as it felt like a mere one to two seconds to me. The discrepancy in time left me perplexed, especially considering the physical distance they covered and what felt like an instant. Despite exploring various possibilities, such as a sand shark bite, none seemed to account for the odd temporal distortion. Moreover, with no one else around and my brother's limited swimming abilities at the time, the situation remains a mystery. I still feel the effects on my left calf, adding to the enigma of that moment. If you have any insights or ideas, I would greatly appreciate hearing them. I can share more stories of my encounters with the paranormal if you're interested. Best regards, Michael Trama Montana. No relation to Hannah Montana. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Trump Tramontana. I don't know. T R A M O N T A N A. Michael Tramontana. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I do, but okay, I want to hear what you guys have to share. Oh. Dustin, go ahead. Okay, um, so at first I was thinking it sounded just like a muscle cramp, but then you know the the analogy of the the leather glove and the toothless <laughs> fish kind of threw me off completely. Um, what I find most interesting is the 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 loss of time. Like if you truly if, if you truly felt like it was just a, a moment or two, but it's over a minute. I mean, I'm, by the way, anytime I watch movies where people have to swim under water and like try to escape, I try to hold my breath. I always die. I never <laughs> that long, and I'm not. How many times going, have you died? I, I, countless. <laughs> I, there's no way I would ever be able to make it. So I appreciate anybody that can hold their breath. Um, but to be underwater for a minute and, and feel like you were just there for a couple of seconds, like I always, I don't know. We always kind of relate that to alien, right? And so if we think USO, we think the, you know, the, if there's submerged objects, are there submerged alien creatures that we don't see? I, we never oh. see them smile. We don't know if they have teeth. Maybe just like trying to suck on there. Yeah, they're they're yeah. all elderly. Oh, elderly. Yeah. So here's my thought. All right, ready? Let's get uh -huh. weird. Let's get weird. Let's do it. What if in this moment, in this experience, you push yourself underwater? We know the power of water when it comes to the paranormal. 
uh, the resonance of water, if you will, the memory of water. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. The memory of water. What if in that instant, what you were encountering was not something physically happening to you now, but something from a past life that a memory was triggered? Like I said earlier with the sound of music, mm -hmm. how it can bring you to a moment. So what felt like just a few seconds to him was a minute in real time because that memory was compressed and shot over. And he relived it or experienced it all in that flash. I love it. Chef's candle. Oh, you were doing that. That's yeah. a candle way. Yeah. I like it. The stranger, the better. I mean, you know, toothless alien or, or time distortion and past life uh, thing. Yeah, maybe. Sure. Or leather glove. Who knows? Or, or a toothless fish with a leather glove on it. <gasps> Oh my God! Right? You always could make also, me look at things. Could it also different. just been like a like a somebody threw like a, a an old catcher's mitt or something in in the water? No, that's just stupid. Why would you even say that? That's yeah, the dumbest well, thing I've ever about? heard. <laughs> and I said he was an expert. I don't know. <laughs> and that was the last time I was on the show. Dustin Perry, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again. Much success. Ghosts, do you believe the traveling sideshow is out and available? We have information about it on today's program guide. Come on out in April. See Dustin. I'm going to be there rooting you on, Dustin. I think I should go up on stage and open for you. I'll <laughs> be the opening great. act. I'll juggle. I'll, yeah. I'll hold my breath underwater while you do the onstage well, show. How's your unicycle thing going? Is that, can you do that? Oh, sure. Got to bring up the unicycle. Uh, Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I believe sure. in you. What a jerk. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate you, and I look yes, forward to seeing you here. Minnesota, again, all around the United States and parts of Canada. You can see Dustin, and he's got one at the Hilldale House. Say it again. The Hinsdale House. Hins that's what I said. Pay attention, Dustin. For God's sakes, if you're going to be a guest, listen to what I'm saying. Hinsdale House. That event's coming up here at the end of February. Just a few tickets still remain. Go investigate the paranormal with Dustin. Donna C says, thanks, Dustin. Lina Litinwa says, thank you, Dustin. Kim Mikazi says, bye, Dustin. Happy Valentine's Day. I might be putting a little bit more violence to that. than A lot of smoke. But uh, thank you very much, Dustin. Take care, buddy. We love you. See you. Love you, too. See ya. All right. Very cool. Nice little visit with Dustin. Yeah. Sorry he ate up all your time to talk. Yeah, He's so Gabby. I it's know. unbelievable. You bring him it's in weird. on your show. Ooh, celebrity. And he's all, I have theories. I'm just kidding. We love Dustin. <laughs> uh, Mark G reminds everyone for more information about Dustin and his work, please see tonight's program guide in the description to make sure that you can check that out. All right. Let's get to it. We've got some more. I've got a long email here. This is a good one. Are you ready? Did you, did you hear that thing he said about a guy who said something about a purple princess? Yeah, that was uh, Frank Sumption. He believed yeah, he like was a what? purple princess from another planet. Yeah. I'm to say that five times fast. I wonder, like... Hey, they... speaking of purple princesses, you've created a drink for tonight's Valentine's oh, show. I did? What is, it, what is it called? Well, I made a little thing called the purple lady. It was originally the pink lady, but I wanted to use the creme de violet. Oh. And it was no, no, terrible. No, stop. What? Think about what did you change the drink to not knowing what we were going to talk about on tonight's show. It is supposed to be the pink lady. You turned it into the purple princess, purple. of course. Boom. And you did that without even realizing it. I had no idea. So what's in it? Uh, gin, a whole lot of gin, mm. uh, uh, cherry stuff and uh, purple stuff. And uh, lime stuff. No, lemon stuff. 
Ah. And it's really bad. Good. Excellent. And in case you'd like to have a really bad drink, the Purple Princess drink is available for you if you follow Tressa on uh, Sweet Tea's social media. She makes videos for every one of the crappy drinks that she creates and tries to choke down on every episode. They're so mostly if you're terrible. feeling adventurous, give it a shot. And these are popular oldie timey drinks that you've pulled out of some dusty ass Rolodex you found at the thrift store. And yeah. I love it. That's cool. Hey, wait till you make the orders. They're going to be just as bad. Really? The hors d'oeuvres are bad, too? We're going to oh, start yeah. doing horror d'oeuvres. <gasps> horror d'oeuvres with Tressa. Sweet tea. I'm already I have scared. a question, and I wonder if uh, theory is out there. Has anyone ever explored the idea of black-eyed children being offspring of human and alien? Many times we hear that aliens have black eyes. Could black-eyed children be hybrids? That's from Michelle Lucarelli. Hey, Lucarelli. Um, yes. Not that I want to pat myself on the back, but when we first began talking about the Black Eyed Kids, I posited the concept that uh, maybe they are the hybrid children of us and they are soulless. Maybe, as a matter of fact, let me, I penned a short story that I'm hoping to create into a bigger story. I might release it in in the future here as just a little standalone uh, pamphlet. I don't know like a religious pamphlet um, that I'll hand out outside of bus stations. But the the whole concept was that um, uh, these beings would appear at times of great tragedy. So like I had like moments during the, uh, the revolutionary war where the, the soldiers are all geared up hearing the sound of something moving towards them. And as they see through the smoke on the battlefield, there are all these children running at them and they're like, what's going on? They start to lay their guns down and, the children run and that's when they see the giant black guys. And then the bullets just start tearing the soldiers apart and oh. the children are there to cull the souls. Oh. They have souls. And I created this kind of story through history, how these beings, these alien human hybrids have always existed, but that they get the souls from people that are just about to die. I love slash hate that. Thank so you. Much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mark G says, yeah, that's a brain tickler. But yes, and that again, not meant to make me sound like I'm a genius. That it just so <laughs> happens I happen to be a genius and already thought of that concept many years ago. But yes, yeah, and there are some great books by Jason Offutt, O F F U T, and uh, David Weatherly that talk about many of the different uh, ideas behind it. And then, of course, Gemma Jade, who we just had on the show, she has two books out on Black Eyed Kids, and in the first book. She goes into all of the different folklore and theories and concepts and beliefs of what these beings might be. So there is a lot that's been said about that. All right. Hi, Dave and the Paranormal 60 News crew. If this is being read to them, it is at least the most important one tonight. That's right. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. My special (laughs) Valentine tonight on the show, that is just on the show. Uh... Only friends, folks. Call me. Call me. No. All right, let's get into this. Hi, Dave and the Paranormal 60 News crew, if this is being read to them. Dave, you may remember me from last April and May when I messaged you for help with what I thought was an attachment. And I thought you'd like to have the full story on what happened, though I don't have an answer as to what the attachment had become. Maybe you and the team can offer a suggestion. Honestly, this particular haunting had been going on for my entire life. Well, even beyond that, but we'll get there. Growing up, I was the cautious kid, always terrified of the dark. I had to sleep with my bedroom door open with the light on in the hallway. I've always woken up at the slightest sound, always had a nightlight, always felt like something was lurking in the dark, waiting to grab me and take me away. 
When false accusations came through in November of 2021 pertaining to abuse of my eldest daughter from my abusive ex, I went to my mom's to be closer to my daughter as she was being withheld from me. I was newly married and would have rather been with my husband, but mom was within 20 minutes of my daughter versus me being with my husband 45 minutes north of her. We were up late discussing what was happening, and every time I or my mom said something negative about the guilty parties, we would feel a burning on our arms and torsos. I checked my arms, and I had scratches covering my arms. I said something negative, and we watched three raised lines burn into my skin. I regret not documenting this, but lesson learned, the scratches were always in threes. After this, my depression worsened. There was a voice at the back of my head constantly telling me how worthless I was, how I'd failed in protecting my daughter, etc. Things slowed down outside of that and feeling like something was constantly hovering over me. Now, back in April of 2023, I was under a crap ton of stress. Going to court over custody of my elder daughter, four months postpartum and working full time. Now I'm lucky that I was seeing a counselor to help me with my depression and anxiety through that time. And she worked closely with me to really help me through all that was going on. The week-long court hearing was over, and we had to wait nearly a full week to hear the verdict. To say I was nervous and a nervous wreck is a bit of an understatement. With the help of my counselor, I tried to focus on what I could control, taking care of the newborn, working and trying to work on self-care. I believe it was the Tuesday before the verdict was read on Thursday when I'd had the nightmare. Let me preface this by saying I'm an author and I have friends who I talk about writing with. In the nightmare, I was hanging out with two of my online friends in person, going over some writing. One of them complimented me on something I wrote, pushing a tablet at me. Now, I don't remember what was there outside of it being my characters' names, but not things they would ever say. As I was about to say, I didn't write this, a deep, guttural, disembodied man's voice roared through, I own you. You belong to me. I woke with a start, feeling this thing hovering over me more than usual, and I'm embarrassed to admit I'd, I'd found I'd actually wet the bed, something I never even did as a kid. Despite my brain screaming demon, I tried to go through a process of eliminating possible causes. I went and got checked for a UTI. Nope, I was healthy. Talked with my counselor about it, telling her I was afraid the stress was getting to me. She looked at me for a long moment, sighed, and said, you don't have any symptoms of schizophrenia or hearing voices. Have you considered it being something paranormal? That kind of sealed that deal right there. I got together with a friend after the verdict was read in court, and I brought up the possibilities of what was going on with me. As I was telling her, I felt like something was leaning over my shoulder. She glanced over my shoulder and her eyes locked on something, unable to look away. Marissa, I have to be honest with you, she said, without looking away from my shoulder. I'm a medium, and the reason I'm telling you, you've got an attachment, and it, he isn't willing to let go. Now, I trust my friend. Let's call her Emmy. So when she said this, I went into panic mode. I had a husband and my daughter to protect who had attached something to me. She told me, she, uh, she told me how he was presenting itself to her as a demon, about 10 feet tall, and he looked like a grotesque, stretched-out version of Abraham Lincoln. We still don't know why he chose to show himself as such, but now I know why Abraham Lincoln always creeped me out. He said he only cared about me and was only after me. Emmy gave me some suggestions, and I started reaching out to people, including 
Dave Schrader. That guy's good. Never He's good. A lot of uh, good good things heard about him. Three of the four mediums I contacted me tell me there's no such thing as attachments or evil spirits and offered to instead work on meditation with me to fix it. And that just didn't sit right with me. The fourth, I reached out, got some information, checked in on my family and my house via astral projection and confirmed with Emmy what she had told me. We set up a time and started getting things set for my uncrossing. I believe this was around the last time I messaged you, Dave. The time between reaching her and getting together with her, this thing went all out attacking me, giving my husband and at the time four-month-old nightmares. I fought hard against the jerk. Then finally the day came, uncrossing day. It tried to convince me not to go, but it was going after my daughters. It was game over when he started going after my daughters. Yeah. I got there, and the medium brought me in with shields in place to keep him out of the building, and it was so unsettling. Just feeling him pacing outside, standing, hovering in that doorway. What she had found out wasn't a true demon. Apparently, back in the 1600s, I lived in some sort of seaside village. Every day that I went into town, I would do what I even do today, say good morning to everyone as I passed and went along my way. Now, this creature had been one of those people who I would say good morning to. He was the son of a blacksmith. And according to the medium, he was obsessed with me. But he never acted on this obsession or feelings. And it continued on past death. He attached himself to me when I died that lifetime. And he's followed me ever since, for whatever reason. It took me until this life to figure out that uh, figure that out and get him removed. By this point, he'd been festering for some 400-odd years, and he wasn't human any longer. I don't know what he would have been classified as at this point, but I'd honestly be interested to hear some theories. I have theories. I want to hear them. So I've talked about this in the past, so I'm going to bring it up again. Please. The concept of um, fractals of what we are and who we are. So obviously, when we die whatever the next evolutionary phase is, only the best of us is going to go. Only that part of us, the elevated part, not the gunk, not the jealousy, pettiness, rage, anger, frustration, gassy part. That all stays here, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is a, a, a Middle Eastern concept and, and the ancient uh, concepts that we leave these butt ends of the bread behind of who the we garbage. Want. Right. And as it's, further away from its humanity, the more it distorts itself. That's why we see these elongated, creepy shadows. It no longer knows how to maintain a semblance of what it once was. So if this thing has been with you for over 400 years, uh, <laughs> that is a hell of a relationship. Uh, it's been festering for 400 years. It may have just lost that humanity, but what it remembers is the territorial nature of what it was and that you were what it wanted where it might not even be able to separate itself from you. It may believe it's a part of you. <sighs> You're welcome. Sweet dreams. So she had me step into the circle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's also a white witch amongst other things. And he was removed along with the cords and hooks. He dug into me. He was hauled off by Archangel Michael with the goddess Lilith staying, staying with me long with Medea and Aradia to help me with my healing and shadow work. And for once in my 32 and a half years, I didn't feel like I had something negative stalking me in the dark. And once he was gone, 
my depression got much better. That voice that had been telling me I was a bad mom, a failure, that I was better off dead, it was gone. For 400 years, this leech had stalked me, thrown a fit every time I got married and had kids because I belong to him. Cue my strong, independent, I don't need no man feelings. And now he was gone and I could finally start my healing process. In the months since his removal, my mediumship abilities have been coming in. I've been working on them as best I can, but I've got a guide who has taken my ability to see things. But I recently got them back. My soulmate, who didn't reincarnate with me this lifetime, but he's still here with me, he's a story in of himself, not necessarily in a bad way, but that should be a separate email if you want to hear about that relationship with a spirit. Yes, we do. Uh-huh. It's Valentine's Day. We Hello. want to hear that story. I've had to put some protections in place because as my mediumship abilities are coming in, it turns out my girls also take after me in that sense. And my non-believer husband is an open portal. Aren't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Right, ladies? Men are all just a bunch of open portals. Big, gaping, dumb, Uh gorilla open portals. Mm -hmm. Lucky me, three mediums in a house with an open portal. It brings interesting things through, scary things too. I'm slowly learning about the paranormal side of things, but I desperately want to learn more. Get the book, The Gift by Echo Bodine and the book, Still Small Voice. I'm going to keep banging that drum. Those are two of the best books to help you in your quest through mediumship. All of the best mediums even recommend those books by Echo, E-C-H-O, Bodine, B-O-D-I-N-E. You can find them on Amazon. As a matter of fact, I think you can find them on the Paranormal 60 uh, book list on Amazon. So if you go to Paranormal60.com, click on the shop tab, you'll find our Amazon shop. You can go purchase the books. You just scroll through there. Sorry for the long email. However, I hope you enjoyed my story. I could have done without being stalked and attacked the last 400 years of existence, but I'm glad it's over with. Now I've got a lot to learn because I started accidentally channeling the day after Christmas 2023 while at work. Luckily, my coworker had headphones on and didn't notice me talking to myself. Anyway, thank you all for such a great show. It is the bright point of my work week uh, when I get to hear what awesome stories you brought us for the week. The P60 News always has me laughing and thinking about important questions. I need to get back to listening live so I can ask in the chat. And thank you for all the interesting interviews you have on Mondays. Dave, I love hearing all these different people and their views on the different paranormal aspects of life. Thanks again. That's from Marissa. Marissa Dumel. Man. Men, am I right? Totes. Totes, my girl. Yeah. Very good story. All right. Uh, Oh, my gosh. We're in an hour and a half. Should we power through the last few pages? Yeah. All right. Hey, Dave and team. Strange question I've uh, never heard. I've seen where some investors or investigators have carried firearms on investigations, and I've often wondered if a spirit can move objects. Why can't a spirit pull a trigger? What? Are there ghost rules for such things? If a ghost wanted to cause havoc in a home, I can't think of anything causing more chaos. Thanks. I'm a truck driver and listen to lots of podcasts. Over the holidays, I've gone back even into your old darkness radio, Daves, and listened to you and Tim. Your progression and personality are a great thing. You guys have carried me over the many Florida miles. William Egan. Thank you, William, for that. Uh, Listen, I think they can hurt us. I've been knocked on my ass a few times. I don't think that it was necessarily trying to hurt me in a sense of kill me, but I think it was definitely frustrated trying to get my attention. And there are people that claim to have been stabbed by spirits, uh, pushed down flights of stairs by spirits. Uh, you're right though. Um, and maybe it has to do with the, the, uh, metallic 
construct of the gun, they might not have that kind of uh, ability. It's an inert object. Whereas I'm a, a being in motion, I've got my own energy. It might be easier to influence and affect me. Who's bringing guns to these investigations? Come on, you guys. Right. Don't be dumb. That's Dave Schrader. Uh, Queen Mary haunting experiences. Hi, Dave. Huge fan of your podcasts. Wanted to share some eerie experiences I've had during my stays at the Queen Mary. I'm currently residing in Somerville, South Carolina, but I'm originally from Long Beach. Having spent numerous nights on the ship, I've encountered some inexplicable events that still baffle me to this day. During my stays, my mom and I have occupied various rooms on different floors, uh, reveling in the ship's captivating beauty, particularly the bars. In these staterooms, we've witnessed faucets turning on and off, toilets flushing with no one around, lights and TVs flickering mysteriously, and even a porthole window opening and closing on its own. One particular incident involved seeing two men walking ahead of us near the bar. As we turned to go up the stairs, they vanished into thin air. Despite an extensive search in the front desk reviewing security footage, no one else saw these men leaving us intrigued and bewildered. While exploring, I stumbled upon the first-class pool. Near the pool's entrance, two massive 1940 safes caught my attention. One still in use, the other an empty 1942 money safe from Liverpool. My ability to communicate with those who passed allowed me to sense joy around the pool, but the area near the diving board felt quite unsettling. Uh, that's because it is believed that there was a woman right by the diving board aspect. There's a little like uh, hidden cubby back there. Uh, one of the stories is that a woman had been um, beaten mm -hmm. and raped and left back there to die. So mm -hmm. that might be the unsettling energy that you're yeah. picking up on. What Did you just hear that? No. That was very weird. When I said that, also, I heard this loud like, Hoo! but it's not my dog and my cat's are all asleep around me in some kind of creepy nexus points. They're like in the five points of the stars laying around me. I don't know what's going on. They're doing magic on you. Creating their cat portals. All right. Uh, encountering a little girl near the pool, I couldn't communicate with her, but her appearance and her demeanor hinted at a tragic story. Additionally, a woman in a white beach shawl near the changing room at unexplained sounds of splashing and bouncing boards in the empty pool added to the mystery and the ambiance. Her body was dragged from underneath that stairs okay. to the uh, changing rooms. Yeah. There's actually uh, footage captured by Brandon Elvis of a, um, uh, what appears to be a dead person in one of the changing rooms as he walked by with his camera. It was really unsettling. Wow. Yeah. On a tour of the ship's lower deck, a chilling encounter occurred near a watertight door. A man's apparition appeared. And as I turned around, he vanished. Seconds later, a thunderous sound echoed through the ship. Huh? Okay. Oh, causing the group to hurry away. I felt a presence behind me and a voice whispered, it's time to go, prompting me to leave the area. Mm -hmm. Other sightings included military men in suits walking through displays and during foggy nights, the distant sound of machine gun followed by frantic military-like movements. These haunting experiences have left an indelible mark on me and I miss the Queen Mary. A warning not to revisit certain areas has kept me at bay. Thank you for your time, and I truly appreciate your podcast. Best regards, Savannah Marcioni. Lena Litanois says, I was followed by a young man ghost on the QM. 
that ghost by the portal door that was shut, uh, that is a sailor that was crushed by the door. They used to play this kind of weird game of chicken where they jump in and out as the doors would close, and he was caught and crushed. I was there one night when they were doing a, a communication with him, and they said, why do you stay here? Why don't you move on? And he said, because I'm famous here. Isn't that hey. interesting? Yeah. yeah. That's great. Uh, Kelly Roach says, yes, Queen Mary 2 experiences had three. A blonde woman, which appears to bachelors near the piano, the captain's room pounding on a bathtub wall at 1 a.m., and a chubby, dark-haired woman near the captain's room. Ooh. Hello. All right, our last two emails. Hi, Dave. My name is Kelly, and I believe I had a past life experience. Back in the 90s, my husband at the time and I took a weekend vacation we went to Fort Knox, Kentucky to the museum. As I was wandering around the museum, looking and touching the vehicles, I turned the corner and suddenly I was no longer in the museum. A King Tiger tank from World War II Germany was directly in front of me and I had a vision of being run over by the tank tracks. In the vision, I knew I was a male and I could hear the tank running. Another visitor was standing near me when this happened. He asked me if I was okay. I couldn't speak, but I could hear him. I shook my head. No, it felt like it lasted forever, but I'm sure it was only a moment. I finally got my legs to work and I ran back around the corner. I took a deep breath and turned back into the room. I then felt nothing standing in front of the same tank. Was it a past life or a flash of something else? Thank you for letting me share this with you. That comes from Kelly Key. Could be a past life. Could be that you were picking up on the traumatic memory of the energy of somebody that had been killed by those tracks on that tank and you just were in sync at that moment and picked up on that that seems more likely but either way good story this this story right here could make us the longest episode yet of the paranormal 60 news let's do it and we didn't even need those other three lunkheads yeah here. what we a bunch of idiots on the morning of May 9th, 2022, we faced the heart-wrenching decision to bid farewell to our beloved cat, Michael Jackson, affectionately known as Kitty. <laughs> At 18 years old, he was suffering from seizures, prompting our family to collectively leave work and school early that day to spend precious moments with him before saying our goodbyes. As I left work, tears flowed uncontrollably, accompanied by the repeated refrain, I don't want to do this. I don't do this. Making the decision to euthanize an animal for the first time was gut-wrenching. However, amidst the emotional turmoil, my car radio seemingly turned on by itself, playing Fields of Gold by Sting. In that moment, I felt enveloped in love, reassured that my spirit team was with me, sending a comforting message. A few hours after Kitty peacefully passed away, the night brought a comforting visitation. Through my third eye, I saw him happy and healthy, enjoying the serenity of heaven. This profound experience even inspired me to paint a vision of heaven. The morning following Kitty's passing, I woke up with a vivid memory of his visitation. Checking my phone, I received a touching screenshot from a friend. Her acquaintance, unaware of our situation, had posted a picture of the evening sky the night we bid farewell to Kitty. The accompanying quote by her daughter read, I bet Michael Jackson is up there playing tonight. It was a poignant reminder of the mysterious workings of the spiritual realm. Since then, Kitty has continued to visit me during the night, jumping into bed and lying on my side. Sometimes he cuddles near my head, his purring echoing in my ears. This ongoing connection brings warmth to my heart, reaffirming the belief that our pets journey to heaven and continue to share their love and devotion with us. With gratitude for the enduring bond we share for our furry companions. And that comes from our good friend, June Hessler. Thank you for sharing that heartwarming tale of ghostly visitations from our pets. Do you believe that animals have a soul and that they still visit us? 
I absolutely do. I hear my cat that has passed out, uh, I don't know, two years ago all the time. Your, your cat passed out two years ago? Yeah, he's a drunk, so wow. he's always passed out. Meow. 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 weird. Yeah, weird. He's not I don't even know how he's getting it. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, interesting, fun, good stories, interesting stories, lots to share tonight. Um, that reminds me, we'll, we'll go out on, uh, what I thought was a, a sweet, fun little story. Uh, so, uh, St. Peter, uh, opens the pearly gates in the morning and walking through the pearly gates is a German shepherd, a pit bull and a cat. And they walk up to Jesus and Jesus looks down at them and looks at the German shepherd and he goes, you may step forward. And the German shepherd steps forward and he goes, and what did you do while you were on earth? And he stepped forward and he said, my job on earth was to protect my family, to love them unconditionally, to take care of the baby and make sure that the parents were alerted anytime that the child might be in danger. And I did that job with love and respect. And Jesus said, then you may come sit on my right side. And he looked down at the pit bull and he said to the pit bull, and what about you? What can you tell me of your journey on earth? And the pit bull said, I too found a family that I could love and take care of, a family that I would protect to the end of the world, and a child and a, a boy that I grew to love and spend my entire life with. Jesus nodded knowingly and smiled and said, then you may join me on the left side of my throne. And Jesus stopped and looked down at the cat. And he said, and who are you? And the cat said, I'm the guy who owns the throne you're sitting in. Could you please move? Oh, yeah, God, that's, that's yeah, beautiful. It's, it's a touching little tale. Yeah. Yeah. See, because cats are dicks is what I'm saying. Yes, exactly. They yes. think they mm-hmm. own her. And Agreed. he would tell Jesus to his yeah, face, it's, you're kind of sitting in my throne. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know if you did because you look kind of <laughs> bewildered there for a second. Maybe you were still thinking about your drunkard dad. Yeah, this is know. like the third time you've told me that joke, so it's fine. I think it's so good. I wanted to share it with everybody else, dummy. Shut up. We made it through a whole episode without you telling anybody to shut up. So I got to get it over (laughs) on you. So happy Valentine's day. Shut up to you. Thank you to everyone. Everybody. Yeah. Thank you to everybody that tuned in and spent a little bit of this, uh, this unholy holiday with us. And I want to thank all of our, yeah. I want to thank everybody who, who popped on, uh, Nancy Hayes, love the purple Greg and a heart, uh, sweet tea. Oh, that's sweet that you created that. Nancy Hayes with a donation of $10. <laughs> doof, doof, paranormal. Karen from Australia dropping 10 bucks. She talks to spirits, sits a while, listening and relaxing. I've played music too. Spirits still ignore me. Uh, Sandra Kincaid with a $19.99 love. Happy Valentine's, Dave and Winnie. Thank you so much, but her name is Tressa. Yeah, Whatever. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Uncle Rafi, he pops in. $4.99 donation, a buck ninety nine for the show, three bucks for Dustin's amazing hair. Lisa Burgess offered up a dollar ninety nine super sticker during the show. Doof doof paranormal. Karen from Australia came back with another ten bucks saying, Hi Dustin, hi Dave, and Lina Litinois with a special three dollar uh donation and a special Valentine for sweet tea. That is very I can't uh, wait loving. to get that check in the mail, Dave. Yeah, it's uh probably yeah, gonna be a while. I'm gonna okay. collect up all the three dollar checks and just send them at once. Lina Litinois Drops another 10 and says, this is my Valentine to Winnie and Dave for all the Darklings. That's sweet. And Lisa Burgess with another $4.99. I low-key love how Sweet Tea can keep up with Dave and sass him. We said that at the beginning of the show. And another 99-cent sticker from Lisa Burgess. She was all over the place making love and donations today on Valentine's. So thank you all for all of the great donations. And, yes, there's Greg up above Sweet Tea so you can see Greg who is 
missing tonight. But is he really? That's the question. Thank you all for tuning in and spending some time here with us. We will be back next week, hopefully with a full complement of news crew. If not, it'll be just Tressa and I. So tune in and find out. It'll be a surprise for all of us. I'll be back here Monday with another brand new episode and an interview right here on the Best in Paranormal Programming. Make sure to tune in every Tuesday night live on YouTube for the Monsters Lounge. And for those of you listening to the audio, you can always check out the Monsters Lounge on the Paranormal 60 Podcast Network right here. I'm Dave Schrader. That's Sweet Tea. This has been the Paranormal 60 News. Schrader's on.